With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lefko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lefko and Chris Sims. All right, okay, Sims and Lefko Podcast, episode number 53, get with it. Who do you get? You were already saying them earlier. So yeah, just I know. Well, now. Navarro Bowman right away. I mean, uh, big Phil's in the house. Yes. So the old New York Giants, 53. Right Harry Carson was a big 53. Yeah, mine was Hugh Douglas. Yeah. Oh, that's I, a good one. I Chocolate go with the Thunder was 53, Eagles. too. Daryl Dawkins was the one that you said that I went, oh, I should have looked at. Right, him. yes. I'm Rest better with Philadelphia. Peace. He's uh, the man. And don't forget from episode 52, the coughing edition. If you cough like that on this no. podcast, you're sitting down crisscross applesauce. I've already told Gabe that that's not going to happen. <laughs> I might cough. And Gabe, if it does happen, I'm going to be a little bit upset. Gabe, we can whoop them, so we no, can no, just no. do it physically. All right, Gabe, let me see the stinky fingers. There they are. Oh, Grossest fingers ones. in the tri-state area. Uh, Josh, any Rutgers players in No 53? Rutgers players with the number 53. I got a great stretch of players in the 50s coming up, which I'm not going to tell you guys about no today. But 52 no 52 or 53. No 52 or 53. State of Rutgers did you hear athletics. that? Well, did you hear that? that's no? what you needed to know, the state of Rutgers athletics, that there's no good players with 52 and 53. <laughs> wow. There's no good players with most numbers on the Rutgers I roster. Am, I <laughs> am holding my breath now. I can't wait for this run of Rutgers. Oh, players. I know. It's, it's going to be exciting. Are you being sarcastic? Uh, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Control room. What's going on, everybody? Oh, Hello, Michelle, Cam, Hunter, George, Jake, Steinmetz. I hey, wish we could take a snapshot of Phil's Steinmetz. face right now as he takes this all in for yeah, the first time. I know. Dad's like, what the hell are these guys? This is the first time Dad's seen the podcast. This so. is great. <laughs> uh, He's okay. seen them before. Uh, we're going to bring him on in a few minutes. First thing I want to do is a quick roundup of the combine, everything that happened. We'll sure. do that. Big Phil's in the building. Uh, we're going to learn about what you were like as a child. Okay. Super excited because <laughs> me, producer Cam, Josh, we kind of babysat five-year-old Philip Sims. Oh, right. We're curious if there's a correlation right. what five-year-old Chris Sims was like. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, but uh, quickly, I want to run through. We did not watch the combine together. Yes, right. Uh, big takeaways from the quarterbacks. Uh, what did you think? Well, I think, honestly, I think the whole combine was a little underwhelming, in my opinion. I mean, I think just we've been spoiled by the last two years they were with great classes. all the great, sexy, skill position players. It's just not the case this year. The, the, my biggest thing with the quarterbacks, I thought all underperformed a little bit as compared to what you've seen on film at least. Sure. Uh, and I, I thought underperformed, especially physically. Like, I would have thought, and I know you haven't had a chance to watch them with me yet, but like Wentz and Paxton Lynch, uh, I thought they could have been guys that would have been 4 6, yes. somewhere. Wentz even maybe high 4 Wentz 5. Wentz was a so 4 was 7 shocked. 7. Right. Lynch was a 4 8 6. I mean, you see, you can watch, and I'll show you these clips, and anybody else, you can watch Lynch turn the corner against Ole Miss and, and turns teams it like on. that, and you go, wow, that's does pretty impressive. Does speed sometimes translate on the field that doesn't translate in a test like that? Definitely does. Okay. And quarterbacks never have to get in the three point stands to run, and that's really the hardest part of the 40 yard dash is that first 10 yards. It's getting out of the blocks. Yes. And yeah, quarterbacks for the most part Wentz are not. Wentz still number made. one for you? Yes. Wentz was still the most 
most impressive one to me. Uh, of the three there. Yes, right, of the uh, big three. Were you as impressed with Jalen Ramsey as everyone else was? Uh, well, no, he was underwhelming as well. I think he falls really? in that. Yeah, well, from what you see on film, he has special athletic ability. Uh, you I already thought, knew that. I did, but I thought he was a guy that could maybe challenge the Chris Johnson 424 yeah, that on a 4-4-1. Right. So that he did have a 41 and a half. It was amazing. Vertical. He's listen, I know we're we're setting the bar, sure. the bar very high, but yeah, he uh was a little underwhelming from that standpoint just because I thought he might blow it out in the 40. People were underwhelmed with Noah Spence. He ran a 48. You I, heard we I heard your rant you on it before. Be, right. And people were even underwhelmed I think with Joey Bosa. What was your take on both those guys? Well, yeah, Joey Bosa, I thought he would have put better numbers up as well. Uh but the one thing that he has that Noah Spence doesn't have is I can see Joey Bosa blowing by top-tier left tackles, right tackles in Division I football in every game you watch. I mean, he stands out where Noah Spence in some 1AA competition disappears for three quarters. So that's when you start to look at, hmm, bad performance athletically right. at the combine and the film is not as impressive. That can be a little scary. People may be not excited by right. Bosa's 40, but his three cone was a 6.89. We talked about that before. That's like a wide receiver, wide receiver three cone. Stuff, right. So to have that kind of change direction is great. Yes. Last one uh, that I want to talk about just yeah. because I think he's going to be a sticking point. When you look at Robert Kimdichie, yes. Robert Kimdichie, yeah. you go, Holy moly, what right, a freak. Right. What was your take just looking at him yeah. out there? Uh, I, I honestly think the first thing I thought of was Ndamukong Sue. Uh, just the legs, the movement at that size, and to be that stout and strong. I don't think he's got like the upper body strength of a Sue does. Yeah. Uh, but he is a special guy, and not that I've studied him yet, but watching other teams play Old Miss, yeah. he jumps out. I mean, you go, you go, who is that big freaking guy in the middle yeah. of the field that can move like that and wearing number five? Uh, he is Mr. Off-the-field issue He right is now. Mr. Off-the-field issue. Which he's, is going to be tough. So we're going to evaluate him yes. in the future just as a guy. Right. But we're not going to have a chance to meet him and talk to him. No. So that's going to be on the team. Yeah, you've got to go on hearsay with that stuff. Uh, last thing, is there any other guys that maybe weren't that big that you saw and went, I'm going to have to watch this kid uh, on tape? Well, I think the guy that jumps out to me more than anybody right now, and he's probably going to be a late second round, early third, third round pick, the Kenyon Drake kid from Alabama. I think as people watch him in the day and age in the NFL right now, they're going to look at him and go, wow, he's kind of special and he's made for the NFL because he's a dual threat back. Right. He's like a LaShawn McCoy, that type of player where he can catch 80 balls out of the backfield in a year and rush for 1,200 yards. And you go, wow, he's one of the best all-purpose backs. Right. He jumps out to me. And then, of course, with his performance at the Combine, running the four four six and all the other movement yeah. drills, he is impressive, under-the-radar type I know guy. you're also a big fan of the cornerback from Houston. Oh, I am. William Jackson III he is looks a really player. Good. Yes, Eli Apple did a lot of help for himself running the four four flat because yeah. I didn't know if Eli Apple had great top-end speed. Ohio State, once again, episode 52. That was the big thing is you left there and went, how are they not in the Final Four when they have every single guy that's won? Darren Lee, all those guys. I mean, they had 10 guys run four five or better. And they weren't in the Final Four. What the hell is the point of the committee? Once again, I would just like to know, what the hell is yeah. the point? I'll tell you what. You know who didn't really perform well at the Combine? Because there was no freaking Combine. Uh, Biggin. Phil Sims. Let's bring him on now. On, Phil Sims, two-time Super Bowl champion. Super Bowl MVP of Super Bowl XXI. Thir- more than 33,000 passing yards at number 11. Retired by Gabe Gomez's New York Giants. Oh, I'm pumped to have you. All right, good to see you. I'm so, glad you got the big in it. That was, that was just interesting to listen to. What do like you think? To, I'd like to be on the other side arguing some of those points. But no, that's well, okay. Go ahead. You yeah, no, no, I, no, that was all good. I haven't studied the college players. Yeah. You know, the times were so bad at the combine 
that I figured the, the track must be slow. There's got to be something, right? There, you know, they, they, across the board, the receivers slow. were. But see, but then you have a guy like Will Fuller who runs a four three one, and you're like, wasn't slow for him. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was just a slow crop. I know. Yeah, it, 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 could it, it could be. It was, uh, but it, it was interesting hearing the whole thing. The take on the quarterbacks. You got. You're, you're right. So right. You, they never get in the sprinter stance. You don't work on it. You have a few weeks to get ready for the combine. Right. Yeah. And you, just like Wentz, when you look at him, you know he's long legged and all those things. So he's not going to be the first couple steps. Yeah. He's going to be that fast. Do you yeah. put yeah, right. any like a lot of stock into the combine? What's your feel about the whole thing? Because the whole I think weekend, it's very... we, the whole weekend we hear this shouldn't change anything, and then it changes everything. So what's your take on the combine? Oh, I think it's it serves a purpose. You just like everybody has a different take on it. You yeah. got to know how yeah. to judge it. Of course, performance on the field and all these other things. But you need these numbers to have a, something to judge off of other people. Right. And and I do think there's – don't overjudge it, but truly don't underjudge it either. It's like somebody goes, oh, well, this doesn't mean anything and this. And I said, well, you know, I know a lot of six six centers in college basketball that kill it. Yeah. And they're not going to make it in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something to the numbers always. You when when I attention. look back, I wanted to see what you did in the combine. I didn't realize the combine wasn't started for four years afterwards. Guys, ancient. Yeah, well, here was the crazy <laughs> thing is you talk about numbers. I did a combine physical. You did. So here's the funny thing. I looked at your senior year stats at Moorhead. Yeah, they're horrible. I mean, they blow. You've all, you only threw 173 passes, 53 percent completion percentage, 100, six touchdowns, 11 interceptions, man, 1,200 are... yards. You went two six and one, and you went to no bowl games in four years and a 48.9 college career. And then Bill Walsh flies to Moorhead State to where work you out. Why were they even checking you? I don't out, think those so? are right numbers. Well, your They're junior on... year was good, right? Doesn't well, it was okay. It was good. Your I threw for 2,000 yards my junior year, which was like throwing for 8,000 now. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> when I threw for 2,000 yards in 10 games, I it was monumental. I was the player of the year of the conference. Really? Even though we went, I don't so, know, So, but there's no combine. You're at Moorhead State. Your team goes 2-6-1. and one. Why was Bill Walsh even coming to see you at all? Like, how did people find out about you at that point? My junior year, we threw the ball enough. Um, you know, there's a lot of stories there. But um, there was a high school coach, a rival high school coach, in Louisville at St. Xavier High School. Sure. Bill Glazer. You know, yeah. Know okay. We all know St. Well, Glazer, he's still there. He well, just no, he's at the, he went to the University of Kentucky yeah. to coach. Or he was at Moorhead for one year. Then left and went to Kentucky. And then after my junior year, the, all the scouts were at Kentucky going, hell, we got to go to Moorhead. Why should we even bother going down? And he goes, I think you better go down there. <laughs> really? And that's really. He's, so he started passing the He was the man to that told because they were not even going to come. So they came Sorry. and looked at the film. Right. And they all said to the coach, which probably would be illegal now, do you mind if he goes out and throws for us? So I went out and threw to a bunch of guys. They go, coach, get the coffee pot on. You're going to have a 1,000 people come through here as soon as we put this. Wow. Pro- this. So it was pretty cool. And who was the first? It was him, though? Was it was him? It or who Walsh? was the first team that you remember coming there and just being like? Uh, the Green know. Bay Packers my sophomore year right. were down there to watch our punter. Donnie Reardon, I can remember his name, right. who was an unbelievable athlete and Probably should have been should have been a professional punter, sure. but he goes, ah, I don't want to waste my time with that. I got other things I want to do. <laughs> no, it's truly, but the Green Bay Packers coach or scout said to our coaches, "Wow, he's a sophomore. He can throw. Okay, we're we're gonna, you know, whatever." And they were all over me after my yeah. senior year too. It's crazy. And then so then the Giants stun everyone. They take you seventh overall in the draft, and I think stun everyone because I don't think you even thought the Giants were interested in you. Oh no, no, I knew they were. You did? Yeah. Well, he, Ray Perkins was the head coach. I can't remember if he worked me out once or twice, but the workout was unbelievable. Grueling. Grueling. I must say I threw the ball 
all out for over two hours. Right. Wow. I mean, I said, how do you want me to throw a coach? I want you to throw it as hard as you can throw it every throw. <laughs> and then tell them how, tell them how compared, because I know I've heard you say, yeah. do Bill Walsh. His oh, Bill Walsh. Stood like this, had a white jumpsuit or sweatsuit on. He was so cool looking. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and he stood behind me, and I'm throwing the ball, ripping it. And he's going, no, no, soften up. That's it. Be pretty. Oh. <laughs> and he's talking. I'm going like, as I'm dropping back, I can hear him. Nice and smooth. Pretty. And, you know, all these things. And I'm throwing the ball going, wow, this is awesome. Wow. You know, and it's what, what upsets me, it was awesome. Right. I don't think I threw a ball that even had a touch of a wobble in it for right. an hour right. and he's when it's done he's he'd worked me out twice right. really he was like we are taking you you're going to start right away have you thought about what it would have been like oh no play? i think of the, all these stories he goes you're going to start right away um he goes you're going to lead the nfl in passing next year as a rookie and i'm looking he goes you don't believe me <laughs> and i go oh sure yeah he goes look i had and he starts going down the list of every quarterback they all lead everything right and uh it, it was i think it was about Three or four or five years into my career, I'm watching the San Francisco 49ers. We're playing the, net, the yeah. opponent they just played, the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm watching Joe Montana, and I'm going, man, that looks easy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I kind of thought it, but it never really hit me, and probably until I was about 35 or six years old, the things that Bill Walsh told me Oof. were so ahead of its time. Mm, right. The rhythm and how to get in position and just move your body. And, of course, we saw it with Joe Montana's career. Yeah. Unbelievable. And yeah. I'll tell you the other thing. You saw it with Steve Young's career. Absolutely. He changed his throwing yes. and everything from Tampa Bay, from what was that, the L.A. Express. Right. Where they didn't even want him to be quarterback. They wanted him to be a running back. Right. To Tampa Bay. to the So there is something to teaching yeah. guys how to throw. You, you've, you've had a crazy career, it, like on the field, off the field. I looked up, I didn't realize you announced weightlifting at the 1996 Summer Olympics. Yes, I did. Down in Atlanta, I remember yeah. now, now, Chris always <laughs> tells the stories about how you work out, and you. I know you still work out. What kind of what kind of weight are you putting up these days? Oh hell, you know I, it's it's pitiful. You're doing more than me. I just want to. Yes, know. I know I'm doing more than you. Yeah. So what are you what are you putting up right? Are you I, I, these I'm days? very careful. Oh no, I don't squat. Well, he's had three back surgeries in four years, so that has to be the yeah, context of it. So. I know you are. I do stuff instead of you know I'm not going to put it and compress my back. That's you know that's my life. Just trying right, to so take care of myself. I don't flat bench. Just every now and then I don't do that dumbbell bench. But, like, I can do dumbbells. He's strong on dumbbells. I would like say I can do, do hundreds easily for tens. Yes, he can do hundreds many, for tens. Many it sets. Is. He actually can beat me with dumbbells. Really? Uh, yes, he oh, does. Anything like that, just, you know, singles and that, I can yeah. still, you know, which I'm like, the best day of my life was my birthday this past November 3rd because I was 60 and I thought, well, i got an excuse now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's an excuse. Well, you know, I just turned 60 and, and you know, of course, I, I go to a lot, I see a lot of people who are in the field of, taking care of yourself, and they just go, don't make excuses, man. Yeah. Because, you know, don't give up. Keep yeah. moving. Keep going. And, oh, and, dude, you're and, always firing. Well, they, they just basically say, don't give in and say, oh, this hurts. Well, I'm just 60. That's why it hurts. Yeah. Bull. Fix it. Keep working. You know, that, yeah. that kind right. of thing, which right. is great. No, I got nothing to say. All right, so his days of trying to, you know, thinking Bill Parcells are going to call someday. And have oh, him I back heard you say not. somebody said you said that. I, 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 
Hey, Dad thinks that Bill's going to call him and come for, you know, start a what I got. Hey, Phil, we need you. You're 56, <laughs> but we need you. Can you get in here? Uh, I might have been 56. Well, it's funny. I mean, so, look, we, we've always talked about the two lives of athletes. You have your playing career, and then you retire, and then you, like, you have your life afterwards. And we're seeing that process now with Peyton. And I'm curious, when you saw Peyton the first time, did you know he would be this good? And then as you look at Peyton's career, what are your thoughts of him overall and what he did? Well, I would have no envisions that it would be like it is. How could you think? No, I mean, we thought he was awesome coming out yeah, of college. I we thought, thought it, he could I be a star. Yes. I mean, definitely did. Yes. Right. And, and look, he he would have came out after his junior year if he would have been guaranteed the first pick, but mm. I don't think nobody was willing to guarantee it. I don't know. You know, that's right. just the way. Yeah. But whatever. But um, I think when I watched him in college, I kind of remember him being one of the first guys I ever watched and studied. Right. And I thought, wow, he's a lot better physically than I thought he was. You know, that, that really kind of popped out. Yes. That he can move and run. Yeah. And in his rookie year, I didn't do one of his games. Not one. Right. And it was a rough rookie year. Yeah. He and set the record for interceptions, I believe, this rookie year. He, well, no, he was on the verge of breaking a record that's unbreakable, which is interceptions in a season. Yeah, right. He threw, yeah. like, I think, 29 or 30, he, something he, like that. He laughs about it. He goes, man, he got a great end of the year to stop that record. But, you know, he didn't physically throw the ball very well his rookie year right and then I had him this I think it was the second game of his second year where they ended up going I think 13, 13 and, three. and three right and I'm watching practice and I literally was going you know nobody of course knows what I'm talking about all the guys and I'm going it's unbelievable he's right. like a, a totally different guy yeah. he changed his motion right you know he just kind of learned the NFL thing he did it all but it, watching the practice that day was what I saw for the next you know 14 or 15 years until he got hurt. Top right. five all-time, undoubtedly. What's that? Top, Top five, five all-time quarterbacks. Oh, without question. All right, I mean, so I think I, in Dad's mind, I mean, it's really just whether he's one or two. or Yeah, right, he's one or two. We had Chris do a top five, so we're going to show it to you now. This okay. was from a few weeks ago. Okay. This I is Chris's top five all-time all quarterbacks. Oh, this is how he ranks them. Elway one, Rodgers two, Manning three, Brady four, Far five. I'm curious. What do you think of his rankings? Well, it's a good list. There's no question about that. <laughs> but is he you know, missing anybody? No. You know what it is? It, it's always arguing. Joe Montana was yeah. you know, he was a trendsetter because he played the position different than anybody had at that time with grace and, and all that stuff. Nobody had done that. But the one thing about all those guys, what they all have in common, was, well, Peyton. In his prime, doesn't, in his get prime a credit, doesn't get his credit. I get so arms. sick of hearing yeah. about, oh, well, you never have a strong arm. Right. Well, what, what games were you watching? He yeah. was ripping the ball dead. In fact, I would do some of his games and go, wow, if he'd just take less chances throwing the ball because he was firing it down the right, field, sure. always trying to get big plays. Right. If you remember, he went through years of great production but high interceptions. Yeah. And, well, and, and high, you just think about it. Just think of Kali, Stokely. I mean, the reason they were getting concussed all the time was because Peyton was jamming it in there down the was, field to them. He was ripping right. it in there. Right. And then over time, you know, they, they you know, always call it the Indy play. Marvin Harrison coming under. They had some other. They, look, he was the start of many things. The no huddle, snap counts, hurry up, right. signals. Fake snap counts, fake audibles, oh my gosh. all that. He play is the, action yes. fakes. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's endless. And, mm. and plays that everybody in the league runs now that they created. Yes. And I can remember when they did them. Right. Do you agree with Elway at number one? John Elway, if you'd have put him in today's game, he would be, they couldn't pay him enough. Because he's physically big, strong, great feet, right. could run, great arm. Right. I mean, there's nothing not to like. Of course, he's smart. He's proven that once again. Yeah, right. I mean, he just, you know, it's really, 
I appreciate John Elway. I told Christopher this when um, I got in the business. No, you know, I'm, you know, I'm better than Elway. You know, I'm, you know, you, when you're a player, you you hate everybody. Right, you just right. Say, and I went out and stood behind him and watched him in practice, and I went, wow, he's pretty good. <laughs> you were done playing announcing I was games. Done, I was announcing was games. Going. And I was like, oh, okay, I underestimated him a little bit here. Who because was, who when was you, the quarterback that you would constantly go, oh, man, I, I can't believe they think he's good. I'm just as good as him. Who was your big motivator during your playing days? Oh, shoot, I, would, I wouldn't answer that one. To, right. But – I, I don't know. You know, it was always it just a, it was always a large group. It was you know? something, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. That's just part of being a player. You're going to find things to motivate yourself. Wait, I hope, always was hoping just to be paid like Ken O'Brien. That was always my <laughs> wish. Uh, they just pay me like Ken O'Brien. Yeah, well, he actually had a thing. Uh, yeah, I saw like top the fifteen quarterback. You weren't even in the top right. fifteen. Right. Oh, like, hey, well, Lawrence Taylor is the best player in football. He probably wasn't in the top fifteen players in probably football. The Giants just didn't pay people. Uh, but wait, all right. So wait, just real quick, because I got to ask this. Like, first time you stepped on a uh, – who was young career? You stepped on the field. Were you amazed with John Elway, 1986, when we played him in the regular season? Anybody that jumped on the field just early on in your career where you were like, holy cow. I know you had your rookie year preseason where you played the Steelers and you right. were like, holy crap, that's mean Joe Green right there. All that. Oh, you mean just players. Players and then quarterbacks. I well, just quarterbacks, hear, you know, watching Terry Bradshaw, just yeah, him. Right. You know, Terry Bradshaw was a freak. Right. I mean, was he really? Because everyone freak. says that the defense has won all those games. Huge arm, oh. really good athlete. Uh, you, Tell the truth about In Terry. the prime, if you saw Terry Bradshaw, you could take a sledgehammer and hit him and not hurt him. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, he would be coming out in today's game. He's just a naturally big guy, big hands, long arms. He's right. got every – and he, I would bet – if he trained for the combine when he was coming out of college, yeah, he or high college, right. he would have run in the four fours. At worst, on a horrible day, probably four or five. Wow, flat. Yeah, right. That's I mean, a lot he of could really say. run. Right. And man, did he have a strong arm. Right. And of course, he just did it. I, I'm a big reader. And then Terry Bradshaw used to say, "Well, I go to training camp and I just try to figure it out." In other words, regrip the ball another way, find another change motion another motion, and right. just I'm gonna find it. He just and it just keeps working until he finds it. Right. That's Can crazy. you imagine doing that now? Yeah, that's crazy. Just think if you had him in today's game and you, you know, put him through a progression and oh. taught him a little bit. I mean, my gosh, he, again, the size, the speed. He, he was a physical freak. Yeah, right. Uh, so he is obsessed with history. He calls himself a historian all the time, and I feel like. <laughs> He tells the stories about being in the locker room with you, and I feel like there was a lot of teaching that was going on. How important is the history of football, and, and why, why you guys are obsessed with the game? Like, is it just from playing it, or, or where did that really come from? Well, it came There's from a, you. I mean, you're from a sports family. They well, love family, sports. They yeah, love we, basketball, baseball, football. Yes. So I grew up around it, and, of course, he's playing it. Now, he had me at a young age. So there I am. I mean, by the time I'm seven or eight, six or seven, I know, I mean, Dad will tell you, I knew everybody in football. Yeah. Uh, and I also loved other sports. So I probably pulled Dad back in, too, to be like, oh, let's watch this and let's watch that. Was so he having that just, at like six, seven years old? Was he, could you tell you're like, this kid's obsessed with football? Yeah, yeah. You know, listen, I always tell people, yeah, I could tell. Yeah, he, that he knew yeah, what more was the than, age when you knew? Oh, it was early. <laughs> really early. I'm going to say three, four. Three, four. What was happening at three or four? Just, I could just tell, you know, come on, Dad, let's hit, let me hit the wiffle balls. Dad, let's, let's, let's. I mean, we played all sports. Hey, we, we, were, we had legendary 
basketball tournaments in the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. boards and we played. Yeah, and I had was the whole involved. neighborhood, two-on-two two tournaments. people coming up. Right. I mean, we, so we did that. You know, we played whatever sport it was. Let's yeah. play basketball. Let's do this. Let's play a game of wiffle ball in the backyard. Now we'll swim for a little bit. That, that's a great day. What was yeah. the moment when you went, he has a chance to make it to the league? Hmm. What age was that at? Well, you know, I don't know. I, I, I honestly knew early, really early. I, I, I can't remember the exact age. I just go, I just knew. I, yeah. can, t- I can tell. That's interesting. You know, I, my wife asked me two days ago, when did you think you were going to be a pro? I said, I can remember the day. I, th- I think I was about five years old or four. She goes, really? I go, yeah. I said, you know what? I'm just going to, I like all this sports stuff. I'm going to be a pro. <laughs> that's, that's what I, I remember it like it's just day. I was still on the farm in Springfield, Kentucky. All my brothers were all out in the yard. I don't even know what sport. We were playing football at that time. And I came in. I said, yeah, I like this, this sports thing. I'm going to do one of these sports. <laughs> it's that easy. That's, that's it. Yeah. You know, of course, my dad was a very good athlete, uh, a baseball pitcher. Mm. All my brothers, everybody could throw. Yes. I mean, really throw. Yes, they can. Okay, so I'm going to bring this to announcing and something that has upset me for a long time because, to me, it's a combination. One, you're Phil Sims, and I've watched you my whole life. Hey, Phil, how you doing? Two, you're, you're one of my good friend's dads. So when I hear people and they go, oh, Phil is this or Phil's that or he's biased or whatever, it pisses me off for a number of reasons. One, because I've met you and I know who you are, and I know that, no, you're one of the realest dudes I've met in terms of telling it like it is all the time. And we had Joe Buck on a pot, on our podcast, right. and he gave the whole story that every single team thinks he's biased against their team. Sure. And he can't handle it. And a lot of people that have watched that podcast have come up to me and said, I look at Joe Buck completely different. Right. I'm curious. He said for, he can't handle it? No, no, no. 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 He, he, was, he was like, you know what? Whatever your problem is, deal with it. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he has to deal with it, and I could kind of see that it a little annoyed him and stuff. I'm curious. Like, you're getting that now, and I think it's because you've been doing it for so long that eventually every fan base has seen their team lose when you've called their game, and that upsets people. I'm curious, though, what's your take on the criticism that's out there and all that nonsense? Well, you know, one, I don't even know. You know, I don't even know about you the criticism. You truly insulate yourself. I, mean, I just don't, I don't know, and I don't care. He's not on Twitter. He's not on Facebook. Know, so, I mean, so I don't, social he's stuff. He's going to tell me now. things. I get, what's yeah. that? You're on Twitter now. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I am going to start tw- doing it. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go away for a few days. When I come back, I'm really going to learn Twitter because, I, what the heck, i got things I want to say, so I'll put it out there. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, I, But I, the only thing that worries me about Twitter is that your account can be hacked. So somebody can, I don't is that true? Yeah, no, no, just, no, that's, that's what you use as an excuse when you tweet something that people really don't well, like. Well, you know, I'm pretty smart. I'm not going to tweet something out there that's wrong. Right, yeah, right. You know, so, but, yeah, I hear it. You know, I said to, you know, Denver, the Denver fans, we got I, right. I didn't know they got a petition. And so everybody's calling me, what do you think? And I said, hey, I just want to thank everybody out there because, you know, my bosses think that the fact that, you know, it's great and I got a pay raise. And, you know, of course, that infuriates oh, everybody man. and they get all... But it, it, it's if if what it comes down to this a lot of times is this: there's a decision on the field. Yes. And if you think it should go one way or the other, and if the, whichever team you go against, that is the brand. That's right. the killer. Right. Yeah. And you know when teams win, usually it silences it because when your team is winning, I'm gonna talk pretty good about you. Right. right. So it, it, it's just part of the job, and all that, and it really doesn't bother me. Yeah. You know, I go to what I find amazing. I've had a lot of fun with all the Denver, some of the writers, but on the radio stations. And we, we have some great laughs. I tell them about players that come up to me and say things. And 
this and that. And, and I'll, I've never had but one person in Denver ever say one thing even close to negative to me. After a game, could have been the AFC Championship game. This year? This year. Right. Going to the car, we have to walk through the crowd and everybody, hey, Phil, everybody's, I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm always waiting for the, yeah. somebody right. throw a bottle at me right. or this. And, and never, never has anybody, and some girl, and I could tell by the voice about 20 years old, yelled some four-letter words out. I went, wow, that was really, right. I'm, I'm sad for her. Right. Mm. I did that. That was just. Why would you do that? I don't get any of this. Right. I go to Yankee games and or sporting events. I. I would never boo. I would never curse at the I don't player. understand right. it. That's why I'm asking. I think the other thing is too. As I heard people say this past playoffs, oh, you were a you were a Peyton Manning apologist, and I'm sitting there going, are people listening to these games? Like. You kind of just tell it the way it is. You're not there rooting for Peyton. Come on, Peyton. It's it's none of for that. For where, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, listen, you know, it's a three-hour, you know, you've done games. Yeah. It's three hours, and sometimes you don't get in three words of what you want to really say. Right. So, you know, it's just amazing how the game goes. But for Peyton Manning to do what he did at the end of the year just shows you uh, how he understood who he was, right. the team, and how he adapted. Yes. And that is a big deal. Yeah. Oh. Especially when you're Peyton Manning and you're an unbelievable superstar when where it's always about him his whole life. And now all of a sudden he's truly one of these guys that's got to manipulate the game to find give his team a good chance I to win. I still am coming to the realization that they won the Super Bowl with him as their quarterback because I didn't think it was possible. I really was one in the notion that Brock Osweiler gave them a better chance to win. You got a cough there? You get no, I'm not going to cough. Okay. Watch your mouth. Uh, <laughs> what, what Super Bowl was this for you that you called? How many has it been? Uh, it was eight. Oh it was eight. Do you still get nervous? Because it was funny. So, like, everyone makes a lot of money during Super Bowl week. Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, they made a lot of money. Sure. I know New York, when you weren't calling it, it's the best part about being a former athlete is these engagements. You kind of locked yourself away for the week. Do you, what, what is your preparation? What is your nervousness level for a Super Bowl? What is that like? It, it's the same. You know, it, it, preparation's really the same. Yeah. You know, I, I was kind of trying. I was very you get careful. Get a little more practice and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I got to see there practices. I love that. You right. know, that, listen, you know, going to practice, it's not. It's just about getting the feel, right? You know, just right. watch practice. What I, I called you, I think, after I watched Carolina, right. and you said, "What do you think?" I said, "Wow, do they look the part?" Right. I mean, they practice hard, right? Yeah. Because that's you know that's how the who they are, and it it was like identity. It was like watching well, well, he practice was back from the eighties. He was amazed that they like they rushed Cam Newton, like, Cam for Newton. real, like he was throwing balls in the pocket with people all around him, all hanging over. on him. I mean, they, right, they, they might as well just went ahead and hit him. Right. Really? I mean, he was throwing it. And then the other thing that was I couldn't get over is, uh, you know, I'm watching, and they're, they're cool. Some teams are really cool. I was walking around in between the players. To, uh, coaches <laughs> were all talking to me. And I'm watching Derek Anderson. Oh, cough. Yeah. Derek Anderson, the backup quarterback, is shredding their defense. Right. I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm going, holy Christ, they're going to give up 50 points against <laughs> the Broncos. I'm, and I say something to who, Ted Ginn, walks right. by, I go, Man, Ted, you know, something he goes, it, it's every day, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> every day. He goes, he shreds our defense every well, day. That was one of the funny things about the Super Bowl pregame warmups. I mean, Cam Newton and Derek, I mean, Derek Anderson's one of the better throwers in football, too. Unbelievable. I mean, they were just throwing, you know, what I always say, piss missiles yeah. all over the field. I mean, it was just ripping perfect it. Perfect spirals. And then you look down at the other end, and it was, I mean, 
I don't know. Did you watch Osweiler warm up? Osweiler did not throw a spiral. In it was a, he, he, he I did. One, I, I'm sure it was one of his worst of the year. It was, but it was not. He did not throw the ball well in the warm ups. No, it was but, one. I'll be. I'll say it, it was one duck after another, and he was probably 50 percent against air. Really? And then there's Peyton, who was completing the ball, but you felt like if the wind blew five miles per hour in any direction, it was going to go all the way 10 yards to the left or right. Well, I, I watched Peyton the most in warm ups. Right. I did see Osweiler let a few footballs get away from him. But you know, whatever he the his story of what he did this year oh, as a player. Yes, I thought he did a lot of good stuff. He yes. did. Yes, I mean, no, he, hold on, so, but, so you but, got the but Peyton is warming up. Yeah, I thought you know Peyton looks. I thought he threw the. I, I thought he was sharp right. for where he is. Right, right, and who is, he is right, right. right now. So people think I'm a Peyton Manning sympathizer and all that. You know, they're. I do it in the context of who he is and what he is and what he's trying to do. Right. And that, never for a second, when he came in, and I did the San Diego game the last game of the year, and everybody at the game, what do you think? I said, hey, the Broncos can win the Super Bowl. Yeah. They, 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 they don't, it's, it's, not, it's about yeah. their defense. Yes. Right. And Jim did say something that was interesting at the end of the game. He says, the first game of the year, you said, this defense is – Super Bowl defense. Oh, the Ravens yeah. game was the first. The Ravens game, right. they won the game pretty right. much. Just with what I just when I watched them in practice and I saw them and I started talking and you know, you look at yeah. them, I go, wow, this is a special defense. Uh, right. So you get there for the Super Bowl. The opening animation runs. It starts going. Is it a different feeling than a normal game? No, not really. Okay. The, 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 I think the I maybe think the, the big thing I was going to say, and you correct me if I'm wrong. You're you're always. I think the Super Bowls. He has every story. He's gotten a chance to talk to all the coaches 10 days leading up. So much. So he's had conversations with the receiver coach, the DB coach, the O-line coach, the same thing on the other team. So he really knows what to expect from both teams and how they feel about the matchup personally. Now, he doesn't share these things on TV yes. all the time, but he knows how, how they feel. How do you feel. not share the information? Because you've got to be careful you know, about information. You, know, you can't give it out there. People are listening. And these coaches could get that information. And go give it and right then to them. And then give it back. Oh, right. Has that ever happened before? And do you think teams have a guy that watches the broadcast? Certain teams do, yes. Really? Definitely. So what would the setup be for that? They'd like, be in a room watching. Somebody's it, in like, the room watching, listening to see if they can pick up something. Right. Wow. Like, you know, I, I hear announcers go, oh, well, they ran that play, but they got a trick play off of them. And I go, oh, my God. Yeah. So really? they watch practice. And you see, you so you got to be a little careful. And I'm careful with the information I dispense, you know, um, about a game sometimes because it could give away a clue to the other team. Mm. But really, the simpler is better. And I would say, and you know this, I would say 90% of the time, all my first natural instincts before I watch practice or talk to anybody are always going to be the key points to the right. game. Right. So, right. you know, it's a keep to leave. I'm so bad that I didn't get to say it during the game because I was peppering him with questions, and he's a really smart football player. A great guy to have in your locker yeah, yeah. and I can tell lots of stories about him that are very funny. But I said, Well, you know, Ted Ginn and you know, they're they're fast and Philly Brown, they're fast and it is and he goes he goes, Well, if we stop the run game, you know, this I said, Yeah, but Cam Newton can really throw and I'm going on he goes he goes, I'm not he gonna goes, imitate how he, he said goes, he, Miss Sims, Miss Sims. We can stop the run, we can be okay. We're gonna be okay. <laughs> 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 and just the way he said it, I went. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I got it. Yeah. You know, because awesome. he knew, and he knew because of his talent, who they are, yeah, and all that. But he, the biggest thing is, it's because of what he knew mentally about Carolina's Carolina. right. offense. Right. 
and his style is perfect to go against a, what, a lot of stuff they sure. were trying to do. Definitely. You know, yeah, so. I'm sure one of the questions that you And it makes at, me mad, Adam, that you didn't get to it say in. it. Yeah, well, that's what they were saying after the game. I mean, that's what happened with, with uh, Cam Newton getting upset because they said we take away the run when yes. he knocks him out. Right. Uh, I'm sure the one thing that you're asked a lot is, hey, Phil, tell me a Lawrence Taylor story. Like, let me hear. I'm sure you're asked that all the time. Do you sure. ha- what is the Lawrence Taylor story that I you, ask that, more that than you tell to answer that question? Oh, gosh. I, I think I want to hear both of the Sims answer this question. Well, I mean, imagine... I told on the podcast before about him calling the house, right? right. Calling the house, uh, asking, oh my gosh. asking for golf clothes. He would call the house. And I can remember specifically one morning. It only happened, it happened probably, what, three, four times over? I don't know, maybe more. Maybe, yeah, you know. a couple times. But, but yeah. I can remember once getting in, uh, hearing somebody in the front yard and going, what the heck? It's like barely the sun was just coming oh, up was and can, and can yeah. look underneath the shade and be like, what? That's Lawrence Taylor down there. And he was holding dad's golf club and shaking it around. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, those are, of course, some of the good LT stories. Him calling the house, talking to mom, yes. saying, where, you know, what, what, you know, he would basically say, I'm coming by, have stuff ready. Oh, hi, LT. It's, you know, it's five in the morning or 4.55. I can remember it, you know. Hi, LT. And they talk, and see, he gives a phone to me. And I can't even tell you what he said to me. Yes. Because it was great. He goes, what the hell is it with you? Always sleeping. <laughs> at 4.55 yeah, in whatever. the morning. Right. And he goes, hey, look, I'm driving up to Garden State Parkway. I want to play golf. Find me a course to play at. I don't have any equipment, club, uh, clothes, uh, clubs, anything. So I'll be there in about 15 minutes. And he pulls up in front of the driveway. He's got leather pants on. <laughs> so, of course, I have no pants that are going to fit those thighs yeah. and everything. So I give him a golf shirt, give him golf gloves, we're the same size shoe, he's putting them on, oh, he's feel good, well where am I going to play? Right. So I have to wait till 6 and call a golf place I know and, I, and they say, well okay, we'll take Lawrence and the guy goes, what's he wearing? <laughs> because it's a club. Right, 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 right. I said, well he's got leather pants on <laughs> and the guy goes, oh my gosh. And it's, he goes, send him over. And <laughs> but he's out there swinging the club, and you know, I'm saying, do you want any breakfast? Man, I don't want. It. No, right. he wants it. And he played that day. Was he till, a good? Was he a good golfer? Yes, he played till dark. That's From 4:55 in the morning to he, he left. Got he probably left my house. It was probably getting close to six. And then he played until he played until dark. dark. He left the course that night when it was dark. Holy he cow! Could, what, but what, that's what, who he is. Yeah. What yeah. was your relationship like that he felt comfortable calling you at four fifty five? Like, wh- how did you guys get so tight at this time? I, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know. You know, I always tell people. Apparently, he did not like me when he first got there. Really? Just because you know he just figured I'm just another nerdy quarterback, type quarterback guy. white right, guy. You right, know, whatever. Right. You know, so. But how did oh, you break through that? What was I your don't know. Maybe moment? it was I don't know. When things turned around for the team in '84, I'm sure they had a lot to do with it. The play, he, and, and you know, and I always say this: when we scored a touchdown, He's the I first was, guy on the field. He was always the right first guy to be with me. Right. Always. Always. And you, what, what are some I got other? a great picture. It's one of my favorite pictures in 1993. Bears game. The Bears game, right. I think Lawrence got a sack or sack, a fumble. fumble, and you went out and hugged him. I was going out, and right. we hugged, and I got the picture. And right. I just realized, damn, he's big. Yeah. <laughs> what a, he, there's a perception of him. Mm. I think the Any Given Sunday movie played it up, too. He was crazy. He was reckless and stuff. What is a side of LT maybe that we haven't seen that you did see that people don't realize what kind of a person he truly was? Well, you know, look, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I just know he gave teammates a lot of money over the years, mm. a right. lot. Right. I mean, that's just a lot. Yeah. Just where, 
I'm sure he looks back. He goes, "Man, that was stupid." Because yeah, you know, when you give it, when you, you, we all know how it is. There's no such thing as loaning somebody money. You yeah. can give it to them. That's all you can do because you're not going to get it back. Yeah. But so there was a lot of good qualities to him like that, and he was great for the locker room when he was in good spirits. Right. Great. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, 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 the story. Party with uh, probably my no. Thank not God. Once? Thank God. Wow. Were, 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 was he a, uh, like, I know one story. Okay, of course, we knew. I've told stories like he likes to sleep. He would sleep in the meeting rooms because yep. he'd been out all night. So he had a sleeping bag at the bottom of Bill Belichick's feet. Uh, so that's, that's amazing, right? Because nobody can picture Bill Belichick putting up with that this day and age. <laughs> so that's awesome. Uh, but then, like, uh, tell a story, like, because <clears throat> he can hold people accountable in the locker room, too. You had a guy on your team that was late for the NFC Divisional Playoff game. I won't say his name. Just yeah. Yeah. So what happened? Oh, but, my God, you're right. But you're yeah. out for warm-ups, and one of their, I'm missing a player, one of their starters is not out there. And where's they're like, our wide receiver? He's a wide receiver, so we'll say so that. what happened? So you come in from warm-ups, and you see the wide receiver. The hell with it. It's I'm Bobby watching Johnson. him walk down the ramp. You're seeing Bobby Johnson walk down the ramp, and you guys are coming in from warm-ups. warm-ups. So then... I know you've told, I've heard you tell other people this. So then what does LT say to him in the locker room later? Gets, you know, Bobby's getting dressed. And he goes, right. hey, man, Bobby, you know, we need you, man. You have a good game today, and don't worry. It's all good. But just remember, this game's over. I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah, it was, it was. Now, I didn't hear him say that. That's just what somebody told me. But, you know, th- those things, you know, when he was, he could be the life of the locker room. Right. And he could be the life at practice. Mm. And so that that was all good because you know locker room there's nothing like a good vibe when everybody's kind of sure. and of course winning is the biggest thing you win man every there's nothing you can't say right. right you can say the things that are said to each other in the locker room especially back then oh, were unbelievable I wouldn't even repeat them I don't even know if I would tell him sometimes some of the things it was just incredible but <laughs> Lawrence one day goes out of the locker room and I can tell these stories I think he wrote about them all in sure, his book yeah he leaves. I just remember he's got big black boots on, a whole leather outfit, and he leaves. The next morning we had to get there at 7.30. Our quarterback meets from 7.30 to 9. And at 5 to 9, we'd get a coffee break. Okay, go out and stretch around and do this and wait for the team meeting. So I'm getting, I got a cup of coffee, and we're all marching in the team meeting, and I hear the door swing open, you know, one of those metal doors that hits the thing. Yeah. And it's Lawrence, and he looks at me, and he goes, and he's got the same outfit on. I go, rough night, big guy? He goes, you have no idea. And that was it. And so who knows what he did from there? Like he said, oh. he'd probably be sat in the meeting room and just sat there, slept, and then would go out and be phenomenal really? practice. Phenomenal. He just, it never took a if, toll on him. If he wanted to wreck practice, he could wreck it every day. Mm. Just ruin it. You know, where we couldn't run a play, right. nobody could do anything, and... So, do you ever wonder if he didn't do those things, would it have improved them, or do you think he needed that to balance I don't out? know. I think about that all the time. Our, our strength coach, Johnny Parker, I said, hey, Johnny, you think, is Lawrence working out? We know, <laughs> we know the answer to well, that. Well, he, he, he would do whatever he had to do to keep him getting fined. Right, right. Like, come in, you got to do bench press, let's say. He'd come in, all right, there's three reps, that's it, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I said something to Johnny, do you think it would have changed his career, or he'd have been a different player? And he goes, Phil? If you move the sun, what one degree closer to Earth, Earth explodes. So what do you tell me? Oh, <laughs> and I man. just went, wow, that's a pretty good analogy. I like that. So if he'd have been in unbelievable shape, who who knows? Right. But, but, but I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't do want to look at this. Do you lose the mental edge? Do you lose yeah. that, that other edge that the was... The invincibility. And like you said, that locker room presence, 
that sort of balanced everything out with, with Parcells. I mean, when you have a beast like that and you let him loose on people, that was your guy's identity. All right, three, three, all right so it's like him, Reggie White, Bruce Smith, any other amazing defensive legends that jump out to you and you go, wow, you know, the, like guys that you went on the field with back in that day. Charles Haley. Charles Haley would have been another one there. Oh, that's man, a good Charles one Haley in. was, you know, that, that, that's just a travesty. It took him so long oh, to get in the Hall of Fame. Right. Yes. I mean, I watched him on film. So I had to, when he got traded from the 49ers to the Cowboys, I went, what uh, is... I got to play him twice a I, year. It really, it really, I was upset. Right. It was like when Reggie White and Buddy Ryan were down in Philadelphia and they drafted Jerome Brown. Right. I, I didn't know Jerome Brown that well from college. Yeah. I knew he played at the University of Miami. But your coaches had told you. Bill was, Parcells right. came in the day before the draft. Sims, our life is going to change. And he's, I can see he's nervous. So what do you mean it's going to change? If Detroit picks so-and-so, Ed Jerome Brown's going to Philadelphia, I'm telling you, he might be better than Reggie White. And I went, oh, wow, thanks for telling me that. <laughs> so, uh, which, which turned out was true. He I, was oh, he was unbelievable. So my only other question about LT is we live in a totally different time in media where I feel like back then you guys would have a relationship with reporters or something like that. They wouldn't sure. always report anything. You could have a life outside of football. And we see now guys where if, let's say, they have a few issues, we're having pictures sent in of Johnny Manziel, videos, cell phone cameras, all that stuff. Could LT have even played more than a season in the current NFL, or would he have been suspended for all this stuff? Well, look, he's a smart guy. Yeah, he, he knew how he to get around. He was a smart man, so he he would have adjusted to whatever he had to do. Yeah, I mean, he still got in trouble and did a lot sure. of things, still has or whatever. But you know, he would have found a way to survive. Look, it might have changed his life to the good, or yeah. made his life even better. Yeah, than you know, so. I don't know. A lot, a lot has also changed in terms of quarterbacks' power in the franchises, and this is something that you've been talking about for a oh, long time. Oh, yeah, it's incredible now. Yeah, to yeah. See what you can That's do. what we we're going we're gonna to bring it up because you and I have kind of roughly talked about it. But yeah, I, I do think it's now we're in the day and age more now than ever of the quarterbacks have become the most powerful person in the organization. Yes. I mean, the owner, the owners. Uh, the owning base is going to basically look at the franchise and go, man, we struggled this year. We're going to keep our franchise quarterback, even though he was horrible, uh, but we're going to evaluate our coach. Uh, and I think it's very interesting because you're seeing guys like Drew Brees, who I'm not trying to downplay. I know he's one of the all-time greats, but regardless, uh, he's being paid like he's the best quarterback in football. And he's still good, don't get me wrong. And he's hamstringing the rest of the um, franchise. But, uh, yes, exactly right. But at the same time, they're going to do everything to keep him, pay him, uh, and the rest of the team is hurt because of that. I just want to hear your, your thoughts on why the quarterback has become so powerful, I guess. Well, what has changed? Well, the first thing – Because it know, never would have happened in your day. I mean, there's no way – No, no, nobody was I getting – I mean, Bill Walsh was trying to run Joe, Joe Montana. Montana two years after they won the second Super Bowl. He was trying to run him out of town. Yeah. Uh, so well, he wanted him out before that. He won, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, they won in 84, right? 85 or 86. He won, he won two Super Bowls. He won MVP in both? He did. 88 and 89? Well, no. In 88, Rice won. In 89, he won. Oh. He won He won 80, you know, 81 well, and 84. His playoff runs. I mean, you know, the, oh. that, the, they didn't even want him to be the quarterback, and then he won two Super Bowls, which <laughs> right. was – But whatever. But um, blame New Orleans. Don't blame the quarterback. Yes. No, I don't. So blame the management or whatever and whoever does it. And when you see a talented quarterback, I always say this. They go, you think, the, how is this quarterback going to turn out? Well, I know he has enough talent to do it. If he doesn't have success, then blame the, the owner, the general manager, and the head coach, and the coordinator. But why does management do it, I guess, too, though? Why, why has it become this day and age? Because also, okay, you think the rest of the managements, like 31 other teams, might look at New England and go, hmm, 
they got Tom Brady, and they're paying him like eight, twelve million a year, and they're in the AFC Championship game every year. Maybe we don't need, we aren't as desperate, or you know, what, why do you think management has changed from that standpoint? I think, I think you're right. You know, you just let's look at the Super Bowl. Right. Let's look at the playoff run. That the you know, there's other ways to do it. But yes. The easy fix is always well. It's and it's the easy answer, and it's what the public demands. It's what the media demands. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Right. They can't think past the quarterback. Right. They don't even think about the coach anymore. But yet Joe Flacco wasn't good enough to win a Super Bowl, then he won a Super Bowl. Russell Wilson, same kind of thing. Uh, James Winston was able to pick his head coach. Eli Manning was able to pick his head You have quarterbacks choosing who their head coach is going to be. And then I look back at your career and I'm like, what the heck? You're getting kicked out way too early. Like, this well, is crazy. It, yeah, whatever. You know, that it's, you can't even compare. I don't yeah. even think about it. You know, the only thing I get mad about, not to regress, but about playing, I wish I knew even half of what I know now then. Right. Mm. Just we talk about throwing all the time. I mean, I did it all by field, too. Right. Every day is a different day. Well, yeah. how am I going to do it today? Yeah, yeah, only yeah. thing I did keep consistent, my grip. That was about the only thing. But, but you did mess with it a little bit, though. There. 84, yes. you changed it, or 85? 1985, after the opening game, brand new footballs, they were slick. And I go, wow, I just don't like it. And I changed my grip. No, after the second game. I changed my grip the following week. So every time I dropped back right. on, again, I forgot who we played, I was thinking about the grip of the football. Right. But and you were a two and five, so that would be that a two most of my five. career, right? Two and but five. But I moved it to two and four. Two and four, which would be the pinky just a little farther up. Make the ball I just smaller. remember, I said, "Man, I'm throwing this thing during the game. I'm right. throwing it. Go, wow, this is so much better." Right. Yeah, because you know, then we had no control over the footballs, so you had to throw those rock hard, slick, and you know, you just drop back and go, "Oh my gosh, yeah, it was terrible." Right. But whatever. But the quarterback, it really is interesting. It, it, will it change in our in the foreseeable future? No, no. And and um, so it, I don't know when it took it over, but the money. I think it's really almost something you can look at it and paid Manning again and go, he's a big reason it's like this. I know, to me, at least, it, I feel like it was around. That early, I'm sure it's, yeah. he's part of where we. everyone just said, man, if we can get Peyton Manning, he's the franchise, he's unbelievable, right. he sells jerseys, he sells tickets, yeah. we're fun to watch, and that's all they care about. Maybe that's part of it. Well, I don't have an a, answer. They but. built it that way. I mean, you, you've, you know the story. Bill yeah. Polian, get everything for Peyton Manning. He found the rushers and in, 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 in what they call, not to take away from anybody, but indispensable players. Yes, right. Just in and out. Yes, Let them right. play. To give Just me two like years, two get years, them out. Get Just out, recycle Everything, them. defense, yes. It was right. really simple defense. They did nothing on that defensive side because of that. Right. They wanted to make it simple for people to come in and adjust. Uh, right. One other thing that uh, I know that you don't like to talk about, and I'm going to bring it up because I think that I'd like to talk about it, is I think you huh. are so warranting of the Hall of Fame uh, that it annoys me that it's not even discussed as much as it should be. Your performance in Super Bowl Twenty One. Uh, everyone should know it. If you don't, then you don't care about the game enough. 22 of 25, <laughs> two of the three incompletions were drops, 88%, three touchdowns, Super Bowl MVP. You're the first player ever to use the phrase, I'm going to the super, to Disney World, which is such so a part of our help. lexicon. It should help. <laughs> 17 years of doing the NFL on CBS. You literally took over for John Madden in the game Madden. Your, your oh, life... Yeah, in terms of football, mirrors the important aspects of football so much, and I don't know how it's not every year. Well, like people were like, we were upset about Kevin Green, and absolutely because he has the sack stat, which is such an important stat. But the last 30, 40 years of football mirrors your life. 
And uh, it, it annoys me that you're not getting that call or that you're not even being the people that are like, wow, I can't believe Phil Sims didn't get a call. I don't even know why people aren't mentioning it like that. I never think about it. I know you don't because you're and a cool dude. I hate even talking about it. I'm really all after when this is podcast. You're probably going to cut it you. out. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, you can keep it in. It's fine. People say things. But all, I think everything you do outside of football, it's just about the, it's I about do the not, field. I do not think, and I'm not saying it as if people say it like, wow, this isn't validating your career. I'm not saying that your career needs validation. You are clearly someone who is so comfortable in your skin that would it be nice? I'm sure it would be nice. Sure it would be nice. Let me just say, and this is an honest answer. When I think of the Hall of Fame, I don't put myself in there. So really? that's what I think. I think it's for the, you know, I... You know, I'll never forget me when I was going to the Super Bowl. I go, wow, I thought the Super Bowl was just for, you know, these other people. Yeah. I didn't know I'd ever get there and all that stuff. So I think the same thing in, with the Hall of Fame. Hey, if I would have played in the second Super Bowl, we would have won. And maybe if I wouldn't have got hurt a few times, right. yeah, it might have changed things. But who knows? If I'd have won the second one, who knows what would have happened after that? I might have been. Yeah, but who? Yeah, I, my, so my that's thing all. Is just, I, I always look at. Can you tell the story of the NFL right. without this person? And I don't think we can tell well, it. I just, I don't know. I'll say the big thing in Dad's defense. This is the one thing I think people, the fans, and the media don't really realize unless they were uh, really around at the time. Dad was a lot more physically gifted than people. Like sometimes I hear uh, comparisons. Dad, oh, Dad was a game manager. I mean, he was anything but a game yeah. manager. They threw the ball. We watch games, all games sometimes, and he never throws a ball below 10 yards. The whole game will be like, holy cow, this is unbelievable. It's a <laughs> bombshell because it's every throw. It's, yeah. it's 30 yards. It's 40 yards. It's 20 yards. So I don't think he gets oh, credit funny. for that. And then they weren't a sexy offense, so that hurts him. And oh, then yeah. him and being the hurt. Yeah. Right, him being hurt. And then now it's going to get lost and convoluted with numbers. With because, stats. I mean, guys like Blake Bortles threw for 4,500 yards this year. I know I said this that earlier today. He threw for 4,500 yards this year. I would argue he didn't throw – this dad doesn't have to be a part of this conversation because yes. I know he's not going to like this comment. But Blake Bortles, I would argue, didn't throw five quality footballs the whole year, wow. and he threw 4,500 yards. Yeah. And, I, listen, he could still be a it good is, player, the, but the stat discussion, the stat is discussion has gone different. crazy. Right. I mean, you had a year where it was like – I think it was like um, 93. It was like one of your best years. It was like 15 touchdowns, four interceptions or something like that, and it was like 20-something hundred yards. And it's like it was just a different style of football back then to compare it to numbers well, now. Well, he threw 4,084 or 85. He led football in passing yardage, I believe, and you threw for like 3,800 yards. That oh, yeah, led football. So yeah. it wasn't even a 40, it wasn't even a 4,000 year. But he led football. I think it was 85. Can you look up 1985? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that, well, we did throw. Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was. But it's, it's, it's a, a different, different era. It's a whole different thing. And, you know, now, you know, I, I laugh. I, I do numbers. I don't ever bring them out on TV sometimes just because I'm curious. And I go, wow, so-and-so just completed 35 passes and 28 of them were five yards and shorter. Right. Yeah. Well, I ran about but, that all the time. But, you know, that, yeah. that, that, it, it's just amazing. The numbers, you know, the, the quality of the throw and what they do. Yeah. And, you know, I say that about people all the time. I'm trying to think of a good example. You know, Joe Flacco, you know, he's never really played in a numbers-friendly no, offense. Right. Well, nor will Cam Newton, nor will Russell Wilson. I don't know if they'll I think, ever. Well, I think the reason it's interesting, too, is to bring it to basketball. Oscar Robertson just came out right. and said, you know, Steph Curry's not that great. And, and well, in terms of, like, it's not great defenses and stuff, it's such a different game. Sure. They're not in the paint. They're outside. Right. And the changing no of eras. Yeah, so it's just... 
It is interesting. Well, I, just, I remember the old Nick teams with Pat Riley. Oh, Come on, yeah. it was like football well, on a basketball it was court. A, it was the toughest. It was a brawl every right. game. Yeah. Right. If you didn't, if somebody wasn't hitting the floor when they came down, I, it was incredible to watch. I, I know you're not. It was seventy-four, sixty-nine. That was like I, the normal so scores for next game. As a quarterback of the New York Giants in the '80s and the beginning of the '90s. What was it like in New York? What other athletes were out there that were really enjoying themselves that you guys were kind of around? And Oh, I don't remember being around anybody, you know, because, you know, it's not like today. We just, I, if I saw a, one or two Jet players in the offseason. Every now and then you see like a Patrick Ewing and stuff yeah. like that because he was always, I always remember as a young kid, if he were, we were somewhere with him, he would come over and say hello to you. You know, and I, I think I made a comment once. And somebody said something to what well, I said. I said, I hope we can just be as tough as the New York Knicks. When you watch Patrick Ewing and him, nobody plays harder than the Knicks. If we do that, we're going to be fine or something like that. Right. So I don't know if that's if he read that or whatever. But Patrick Ewing was, you know, always admired how he, yeah. I mean, come on. He come played on. One hard. of the greatest of all time. He yeah. played so hard. Yeah. And I, I admired that. And yeah. So, yeah. And I, I get That's another great subject. Him, Doc Why Rivers. has he not got it? NBA head, head coaching job. Yeah, it's a good question. He should be given one just for his what he's done to the game, yeah, what right. he did in New York, and how hard he played. Yes, because uh, come on, he can do just as good as all most of these Some other of these coaches. Sorry, coaches that are question. out there. I want to bring up something that I, I I know that neither of you guys have seen. Okay, I just want to pull up all and right, show I'll ask it to him. You. I want to ask him this anyways because I actually am interested in this. Yeah, uh, okay, because you've played some all-time great teams, so I'm going to make you pick the best one you played. Okay. Uh, you played Team. the 85 Bears right. in the playoffs. You played right. the 84 Niners, who were 15-1. and one. I actually asked Joe Montana, too. I said, who was the best team you ever had? He goes, 84 was probably our best team. He goes, 89 was our best offense. Mm. So, but so, all right, so that 84 Niners, 85 Bears. Let's throw 92 Cowboys in that conversation. Wow. Uh, and then you didn't play the Steelers in the regular season, 79 or 80. No, I played them, and that was my first game I ever played them. Just a preseason, preseason game against the 79 Steelers. All right, so we're not going to count them. So I want you to rank Ooh. 84 Niners, 85 Bears, 92 Cowboys. Hard to do it all. I know. Because give me your best just shot. the Niners, that team, you know, it was. Uh, I wasn't thinking in those terms or whatever. Yeah, but right. But thinking back, man, did I take a beating. In the, 80, in the 84? 84 playoff game. Right. In fact, when I opened the door after we lost. Right. I think we lost 24 to 10. Right. I think you're, you're right. I opened the front door, you know, it's early in the morning. Cause, and as I opened the front door, I looked at my wife is at the door, and I opened the door, and I go, I didn't get hurt. Because that's all I could think of. I go, it's amazing I got out of the game without getting hurt. Right. The hits were unbelievable. Yes. The Bears defense, you know, to me, the toughest defense I've faced – was the in Eagles. my career, the Eagles, right. just because Reggie, right. the, Every the, everybody, I mean, they, yeah, their Jerome defensive Brown, backs, Simmons, oh my Eric gosh, Allen, right. they had backups, Eric Allen, you right. know, never covered his guy, he just watched you, right. if you looked over there, he just ran over there, he was incredible, <laughs> but um, the Cowboys team of 92, 92, but 93, I'll never forget. Right. George Henshaw was the quarterback coach under Dan Reeves. Right. We were playing him in the last that game of the year. That was the last year. game. Emmett Smith, Emmett shoulder Smith. separation. So George Henshaw is the offensive coordinator. So, you know, Wednesday morning is a big first meeting. I'm in the medium room. You're He's playing gonna, them. I'll give them the context. Yeah. Last game of the year for home field advantage for the NFC playoffs. They're going to play the Cowboys. I whoever wins is going to win Super Bowl. Right. That's what I'm right. thinking. Right. It's cold, unbelievable week that week. Yep. 
And of course, game day, there's not a breath of air, which is just, I was never no so wind, mad. No wind, you mean. No wind. Yeah, we want, you wanted to win. I wanted win for them so they couldn't throw it because they're, right. they're not used to whatever. But George Henshaw comes into the meeting room, can't wait to see the game plan. This, this is everything, you know. And I go, well, George. And he looks at me and goes, Phil, they're really good. <laughs> and I go, okay, but what? He goes, you know, if we do everything perfect, we can get five yards here and there. That's what he – and he <laughs> right. was serious. Yeah. He goes, oh, they're good. Oh, and right. that's all, you know, he just – so that – you know what's great about that? There's no pressure. When yeah, you, right, When you right. know that they're the, – the, yeah. I know – and, of course, I know they're good. you got to push the limits they are, a little. They are truly eight deep right. with defensive linemen. I right. came – Casillas, Tony Casillas, Russell Maryland, right. Charles Leon Haley. Lett. Leon Lett. Right. Tony Tolbert. Yes. Right. Just every guy, I couldn't tell them apart. They all just had the look. Right. And, man, they were going to hit you every play. So you're saying that was the best team? It was – I'm just. I'm not saying it's the best, but it's one that comes to my mind because it was so deep. Right, because you don't even right. talk about Aikman, Irving, Harper, you get Emmett it, yeah. Smith, Their offensive defense, line. Their defense, just every player. Kind of. I'll tell you what. Right. It, it it was almost the same as watching the Broncos this year. Yeah. Right. Name me a weakness in the Broncos defense. Oh, there yeah. isn't one. There was nothing. Right. Um, so from they even something, had depth. From something that was like great conversation to something that is the current times. One thing that fascinates me about your son that I know you have is you guys are both curmudgeons in terms of like young people today and millennials and I love it <laughs> because I think it is hilarious so I want to show you something that went completely viral the past week or two it's been viewed hundreds of millions of times really and I just want your take on what it is and then how it is so I, I'm gonna have seen from, this I exactly right. I knew you, you were gonna see it. <laughs> so this is called damn Daniel which is like very popular it's a, like 20 30 seconds hit play you guys watch it and uh, damn Daniel I can see. Oh, I. This is my problem with the universe right now. Damn, Daniel, I don't give a damn about your life. Damn, Daniel, I still don't give a damn. Got a good sneaker collection, but I still don't give a damn. This is the world we Well, live you in. know what? Yeah, what's your take, Big? Well, my take is uh, he'll probably have a reality show and make hundreds of millions of dollars in shoe He line. was brought on to the Ellen Show, given a lifetime supply of vans. He was Daniel. offered a modeling contract. Are you kidding? Really? He's being proposed to on the internet all the time. Wow. I'm just, what, what was your, what did you think when you saw that? He's not surprised. No, no, you know, it's just the way, it, it's unbelievable. It's, look, radio shows. I mean, my mom and dad, my mom calls me and she's like, I, I I can only listen to the podcast. I can't see it. I don't know how to see it. So that just tells you the household. Well, what, what no, it's getting better. We're getting better. Getting better I, I'm yes. getting on the computer more. But not more. your guys' technology things. My question is in terms of what society is right now, millennials, the reliance on the phones, Snapchat. Yes. What's your take on where, you, where we've come, what it was like, you know? Well, it's amazing. I, I can remember saying, <laughs> clearly going, you know, I'll never get a cell phone. That's stupid. <laughs> I mean, how stupid is that? And now I'm, I'm not that I'm, I'm not a huge cell phone guy, but I at least have it around me. You're a good yeah. texter, and I, and I flip out if I think I've lost my phone because it used to so be I knew everybody's from, I number. Yeah. But I've kind of gotten to one of those guys. I got to have your number. I don't, yeah, right. you, you know, I still know his. And right. I mean, heck, that. you're you're going to be all over Twitter these coming days. I'm going to try to Do get into it. Do you see the good in it, or is it? Are you kind of because he is he hates the self-absorption. Well, I'm going to do it for goodness, for the good of it. I hope. Okay. 
that, that you know, I have, when I say something, it, yeah. you know, it's because I want to give some information out. You know, people always, I do a lot of radio shows during the year. You know, if I'm sitting at my desk and watching games, you know, you can, there gets a point you got to stand up. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going crazy right. watching all these tapes. And one of my friends or somebody calls me, yeah, sure, let's do it. How long you want? 15? Yeah, let, well, I'm not coming on unless you give me 20. Right. I got a lot of stuff I'm not going to be able to talk about during the game. I want to talk about it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do a lot of radio shows. And, you know, you know that. And yeah. you yeah. do the business. Everybody's got a radio show. So they're always looking for guests. And, and I said, man, call me. Don't be afraid. If yeah. I can't come on, I'll say no. Right. Or uh. text me. That's how we do it. He's actually one of the older. I mean, he one out of the older generation, he was pretty quick with the texting, I've got to say. Do you think like, your dad's ever taken a selfie? Uh, no. Oh, gosh. No. no. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, when we Why were, we were at on, Rayo's with Bo Deedle and that whole thing, and he was just figuring out Twitter that last summer, it might probably be the last time he tweeted. Um, yeah, what's wrong with selfies, right, Phil? Right. I just don't. I, I let people <laughs> take them of me now. I wouldn't at first. I go, no, give it to somebody. But, I, you know, I give up. Because, Everybody, yo, quick yeah. selfie. Yes, yeah. do it. I said, can you move it back so my head's not quite, you know, three times whatever. So... But yeah, selfies. You can't see anyways. Come on, get in all here. All right, get in Let's here, go. Stevie. This is Stephen Nelson. No, it's Steven all right. Nelson? Stephen, how are you? We're going on the longest podcast in the history of podcasts right you're not, now. You're actually not, Chris, uh, no? which is the scary no. thing about how long some of the other ones have been. Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. right. I you're thought right Phil was going right to call me Kevin again. He called me Kevin? No, I didn't. Oh. No, he didn't. He called me Stephen. Oh, because that's really what we should have had is him calling John 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 Stewart the wrong name at the end of the show. He was like, "Good, thanks for having me, Bill. <laughs> no, John, Tom. I called him you Tom. You called him Tom. And the next day, John Stewart's opening monologue was like, Phil Sims knows my secret nickname. He <laughs> called me good old Tom. It was, it was great. He crushed me. He crushed you. But, he, but you know, it was, it was like those, it was a great thing for a show. It was. Because his whole monologue it. the next day, he just, just crushes me. Right. That's and awesome. I, I actually, and I saw it, too. That's cool. But, you know, we were ta- I think we were talking about Tom Brady a lot. So oh, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, you might have been. You're right. And, yeah, and the crowd was... Uh, it was, an it, was giant, it was a giant. Oh, he's a Giants fan. By yeah. the way, by no, the, the way, was you're great. totally going to take a selfie of us, and you're going to tweet it out afterwards. It's going to be like a monumental moment. Really? Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I, I like your chances. <laughs> All right, go Kevin. Viral. Let's go ahead, Kevin. All right, Kevin, what do you got for us? We ready Kevin, to go? Look, I just, look, the shirt. <laughs> it's Steven. Though. Steven, you yeah. funny guy. You just did it. <laughs> Every time, Steven. I will never. Hold it. I'll, hold it. You, I'll never forget. Yeah. You're Steve, and, you're Steve Jobs. Steve, Steve Jobs. Jobs. Uh, yes. I will never forget. Steve That's how Jobs. I remember everybody's name. Yeah. You, I'll make you somebody famous. Just watch the movie, too, which was... But I was going to say about the shoes, yeah. the shirt. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're well, young Lately, and he's been Johnny Rockstar. Yeah, he I comes just, in I, unbuttoned was, with the white V-neck. Yeah, he usually shows... But you're here, sure. so he came all yeah. buttoned I, up. I, could, I, can, I can get into character. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. If you want. Uh, yeah, I'd like no, that. I don't unbutton the shirt. All right, anyways. They just dropped the beat on They dropped the beat? Yeah. going down low. Well, gentlemen. Steven. We just watched me, Kevin, watch the 88th annual Academy Awards. Of course, Leonardo DiCaprio took home the winner for Best Actor in a Leading Role, about time for the record. We've heard stories on this very podcast from one Chris Sims about his interactions with a former winner for Best Actor, Matthew McConaughey. My question, not for you two, is for Phil Sims. Phil, the coolest actor you have enter- you ever interacted with in your playing days. Oh, wow. Um, well, I got to interact with Tom Cruise. Yeah. 
That was pretty cool. Like Days of Thunder, Tom Cruise. That big? no, that the, would have been the, the it was early. It was been an airplane. You know the uh, what the hell's the name of the airplane movie? Top Gun. Gun. Thank you. The airplane yeah, movie. I was doing a commercial with John Elway. <laughs> And for he was Eastern there? Airlines, and he, I guess he was in the next studio or whatever, and he came over and said hi to us. That's cool. How tiny was that guy? <laughs> oh, I, I don't remember that. I just remember, wow, it's Tom Cruise. And John Elway and I, we had just played in the Super Bowl, so we were actually laughing about it at this Super Bowl, Yeah, uh, the whole thing. He goes, yeah, so that, that was great. Right. Um, a few, who, who would, I'm trying to think. Anthony Anderson. Yeah. Was. He texts you from time to time still. He, he won He's a bet funny. from me. And he says, you know, I had to send him a $100 bill, yeah. sign it, and the whole, whatever, the whole thing. <laughs> but he was great. And I've run into him a few times. I ran into him in New York, I think it was last year. You know, he's just great. A lot right. of fun. So right. I haven't really met a lot of, like, big superstar Dude, actors Dude, you're a really good actor, too. I mean, that mm-hmm. Bigelow tea commercial, oh. <laughs> you are fantastic. That was a terrible thing. You know, that day was the start of my days. Of your back? I just was, remember just going. Well, you walk out of the tunnel at the end. You're like, your oh, back's going side to side. It's the most dramatic tea commercial I've ever yeah. seen. It's, it's, like, it's supposed to be. It's like Phil Sims is running for president. <laughs> Actually, he's selling tea. Yeah. And every time I see it, I'm just, it's like, that's like the video of like honoring Phil. It's oh, great. my gosh, that's pretty funny. I mean, it is I, funny. Yeah, but I remember walking going. They said, walk the field. I said, I can't do it anymore. I said, I can't walk anymore. And, you know, because I was having these... <laughs> Pains. I don't know why. It's hard right. to explain. But I said, I can't do any more walking. I can't stand here. So that was my last walk. Well, my, well, and Mom always said, uh, who was it? You were in Vegas. Mom always said uh, she thought, was it Diana Ross? Diana Ross, she thinks Mom thought Diana Ross wanted to take Big Phil home. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> no, she was No, Diana Ross was extremely nice. We got to meet her backstage. Supremely nice? Yes. <laughs> Supremely, <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, I couldn't get over how... Nice Great she was. Right. How nice. Yes. My gosh, she was. I didn't quite get that vibe, yeah. but my wife my did. Wife yeah, did. Yeah. So his wife was worried that he was flirty? Oh, no. <laughs> or Diana Ross. Nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> we have a running joke. I told his wife that he was flirty. It got bad. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah like wrong. our like, first month knowing each other. He's like, oh, you okay. know, Chris, he's kind of flirty. <laughs> and then, of course, like a month later, she was like, I was thinking about what Adam said. About oh, that's very flirty. good. <laughs> <laughs> she did the Bill Walsh. She did the Bill Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> he, Bill Walsh, it was his left hand. Well, left hand. Yeah. You got another for us? Uh, real quick, before DJ Simons, you start spinning that Another question for Phil. Can you confirm? Did you just curse? Yeah, we're allowed to curse. curse. One curse. I think we were a little bit more respectful with your dad. We were. Right now, I come in looking like. Eh, It's okay. It's okay, Kevin. It's all right, Kevin. Come Uh, on. Can you confirm or refute Chris's story that he's tight with George W. Bush? Oh, yeah. He's tight. I would would say he probably is. Yeah? Yes. Okay. I I I did not believe you. I just wanted to. George W. Bush would be on the treadmill, come over and work out and run and all that stuff. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We're not on a texting basis. I'm not texting. But he told me, he goes, Yeah, I was talking. I said, Really? That's really cool. I said, What's he doing? He goes, He comes over and works out in the the Texas Texas Longhorns, whatever, gym or weight room. Right. So that's pretty cool. I had dinner with him a few years ago one night with Jim Nance and all that, and he was. Phenomenal. Yeah, he really. is phenomenal. He's pheno- uh, he is the president that everyone wants to get a beer with. In the short, it's amazing. In a small crowd, he's amazing. He is absolutely amazing. If it was us five, you'd be like, what? This guy has speaking problems or whatever. Oh, I mean, he's just the coolest dude. He's great. He was unbelievable. He can just be spontaneous, quick, funny, all that. But like I told you, our Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when he came there to do that, then he had to speak to the rest of the team. 
And it's like, wh- where did the guy that just was being funny with the yeah. small group go? Where did he go? It was very funny how that transitioned. He was like, hey, we're standing there, you know, and you go, Sims? Well, I'm not going to imitate him. He goes, man, you big fella. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. And then Jim says, you know, Phil's quite a golfer. He's a whatever handicap. There's no way. You don't know, you don't know do handicap or whatever. I go, well, I, I am. I really am. But you can't shoot. You know, it was great. That's he just awesome. was going to take no bull. And, he was a ball buster. I love it. Well, yeah, he, he was. But but it, I just remember the dinner. He was an unbelievable storyteller. Have you eaten with any other presidents? Yeah. Well, Richard I was Nixon. at the White House. What about that? Oh, times? I went to Richard, Richard Nixon. Nixon Jeez, in New Jersey. He, when he lived in North Jersey, dad went over there for lunch. Lunch. What, two different times, I believe. Yep. Yeah. He was I'll great. tell you about his life. Don't worry. Yeah, I forgot. And then, yeah. and then uh, I did get to go have dinner at the White House once, and Ronald Reagan was president. Right. And I sat with George W. Bush's father. Right. He was at the table with us. H.W. And he was great. Right. Too. Just now, all this protocol, don't worry about it. Just eat. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm afraid to pick up my fork. You know, it was really. And I wore a, of course, it's black tie, and I wore a red tie. No, you know, I just figured, well, it's just tuxedos. So I right. wore a red tie. Right. So I'm in the reception, <laughs> and I am sweating bullets. I go, Dinah, why don't they don't let me in because I got a red tie? You know, and I'm thinking, what? I'm just an idiot. Why don't I just wear a black tie? And all of a sudden, I'm in the room, and there's 100 people, let's say, and here comes David Stern, the commissioner of the NBA, and he's wearing a green tie, and he walks over. He goes, I bet you were sweating about that red tie. <laughs> <laughs> so he knew. He knew. I go, I am so glad to see you. That's but awesome. It, it is amazing. You did that that'd last be second. Odd couple, you and David Stern. David Stern. That would be like remaking twins. You don't know remember about that? I got to meet Ronald Reagan, but Joe Paterno. Mm. Oh, I got was Joe there. Pa there. It was Joe? Right, 86, they won the national championship. Joe right? Paul was cutting loose, man. Yeah, he's having fun. <laughs> he was cutting loose. What is a Joe Paul cutting dancing loose? Dancing on the table. I mean, on the table? What? Really just going crazy dancing. This is Joe Bob, like everyone's <laughs> grandfather with like but apparently he, big. he was like that. Right. You know, I've heard, and he goes to coach conventions, and he's out there with his wife, and he's swinging her around, and he's jumping around, and yeah. That's, that's incredible. incredible. Is that great? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I remember, but not meeting the president of the United States, but Joe Paterno dancing up a storm. You're like, I'm doing well. And then you look up and Joe Paz dancing on the it's table. It's unbelievable. It was great. Man, the White House gets crunk. I didn't realize that. Well, Turns up, as they say. When yeah. the whole thing is over, they had like a party. That's when everybody has fun. fun. Right. You know, the president's not going to be there. All the right. dignitaries leave, and they just leave all the people they invited. Right. So it's oh, like you got one hour. The White House when the parents are gone. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You got one hour. Let it go. Right. Wow. So. All right. Hey, listen to Story from Big Fall. That was awesome. We have one more. DJ Steinmetz, is he? He's now spinning that stuff. Can't crush anymore. Go from bushes to burgers. <laughs> <laughs> Dirk Nowitzki of the Dallas Mavericks now has a hamburger named after him at American Airlines Center in Dallas. And Josh Fendrick, Fendrick Lamar, will give you the ingredients in just a little bit. But my question for all three of you quickly, if you could have a signature sandwich or hamburger. Oh. What would be the ingredients? Oh, I always wanted to actually, I even thought if I made enough stupid money to where I could just spend it on crap, I wanted to have my own burger place. Like yes, sports, we talked about this. Burger place, and I make a mean chocolate shake with it. Oh. So like Sims You're a and, huge milkshake. Sims and shakes. Oh. So I told you. I would, Sims, Sims, and Sims and shakes. There's a, there's a I like place. shake and Sims. Shakes and Sims, maybe, yeah. yeah. There's a place on PCH in Huntington Beach where I'm from called Sims. Oh, you now. told me about this, right. Sims's. I took a picture. Is it two and M's? It's it two M's. It was. And it's ZY. I want bacon burger, 
no cheese, uh, some onions, barbecue sauce, good french fries, and a chocolate shake. That is the Chris Sims special right there. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, now you're not going to eat with a roll. You're, no, you're, I'm, 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 you're off it. bread. I'm in, I'm in total preservation. <laughs> <laughs> this so thing, it could be a sandwich. It doesn't have to be a burger. As my, as my mom said, you know, you got to be tough to start getting when you get old. And I go, yeah, mom. And of course, my mom at the time was like 80. I said, yes, I know. Then you start thinking, but... Um, oh, now what is what is? Yeah, uh, I don't even uh, know uh, what you would eat now. I wouldn't even a turkey burger with. It could be uh, it could be a sandwich, could be chicken. You well, could you know be all this stuff. I watch my diet, I exercise, do all this. And I just went and took a big physical, and my body fat was through the roof. So I'm really heartbroken over that. So <laughs> sorry, you could join me, Team Romo body over here. <laughs> is that was that you? That's what he that calls t- himself I'm Tony Romoski. Tony Romo. <laughs> uh, I would say you know what? Why don't you come out and work out one day with me? I think we need to do a video oh, on that. That sounds yeah. like a video, to video Incredible. Yes. We're going to do a Sims and Left Go special. That would be it. Big I, and, big and I do lefty. a couple charity workouts where people at charity events <laughs> you can't all call to come and work out with me. And the first time I did it, there was a fellow who came in. Um, I'm sure he's not going to see this. But I figured, okay, he paid for this workout. We're going to get it. Right. <laughs> and we crushed it for one hour. And I said, after it was over... I said, you know, you okay? He goes, oh, no, I'm good, I'm good. We go to have a bite to eat. So the fellow who's with us, we're at the restaurant. We're waiting and waiting. And I'm starting to go, well, do you think he got lost? And we're trying to call him, whatever. He pulled along the side of the road. Was he cramping or throwing up? No, he was he was getting <gasps> lightheaded and having hearts. And I went, oh, my gosh. I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> and he finally got there. And you could tell, he was visibly a little... Shaken up. So ever since oh then, when God. I've done these charity workouts, I'm... Yeah, Dad's famous for having people come work out at the and gym just, he goes to. And, and he tells the trainer that trains us, you know, like, hey, Christopher's coming on Friday. Let's kill him. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll save I'll, I will. I'll work out Tuesday. I'll be really fresh. We get here Friday. Let's do all the tough things we've done. I sabotage like, everybody. He sabotages. Oh, great. Exactly I'm right. so excited. Oh, yeah, you'll be. Oh, wait, listen. Well, it, then I'll tell you what my burger would be. I'd probably put it between two grilled cheese sandwiches with bacon in the middle. That sounds awesome. Well, of course wow. it's great. Yeah, it sounds, doesn't that sound amazing? Well, and sure. I'll go with vanilla milkshake. Vanilla. Yeah. With a good. bag good. of Bigelow green tea, right? With green tea to wash it down and cleanse the palate. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you've been working out. Yeah, I can tell you. you got a nice, tight-fitting shirt on, so you're pretty proud of yourself. This is a good shirt by Woody. How many days a week do you work out? I would say right, oh, gosh. Maybe I would put the over-under at a half. Half the days? Yeah. Like No, no, no. Like, not a full one day. I live on the fifth floor walk-up. Man, I'm getting up those stairs. Oh, you need, oh, you've got to come work out with me then. This is good, because you will. Dude, this is going to be hilarious. I'll do it. I trust you. You will will hurt for weeks. Gabe, get the camera ready. This is going to happen. In a couple weeks. Whatever. I feel good about it. Prepare yourself a little. Episode 53, I think it's one of my favorite. Thank you for staying with us the entire time. We have not had a guest this long, and it was awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope that people out there got to see what you really like, because you're awesome. And uh, it's been been a pleasure watching and working with your son. He knows how to lay it on. You you know, (laughs) really, I grew up in a different era. Like, my dad, if I, he goes, how'd you do today in the game, boy? You know, I play baseball. We're all baseball players. I go, well, I pitched a no-hitter, and for real. I said, I pitched a no-hitter. I struck out 17 of the 18 guys, and I I hit three home runs. Well, did you pop them up or did you hit them? Or is (laughs) 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 You know I'm not exaggerating. he was brutal. He was brutal. Oh, man. No matter what I did, you know. 
Well, if you wouldn't have stayed out so late last night, you'd have got eight hits instead of seven in the double yeah. hitter. And just, that's why you're. That's why you're. You know, you're very humble. So my take, thing is, I, I hate compliments. I could tell. Let's just let it go. So I'm just going to lay them on. Yeah, I think no, you're extremely attractive. I find you wildly intelligent, <laughs> and uh, you're one of the best guests we've ever had. So awesome, uh, Phil. Say goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Peace Chris. out, homies. Shoots, Josh. Mr. Jobs, Steven. Good night, everybody. <laughs> see you next time. Josh, you work with me. I got you. I'll never forget you. Gabe, let's, Gabe let's see his sticky fingers. Oh, yes. Control room. Too. Thank you for hooking it up. Way to go. Hey, we got Brefo in there now with some Pellegrino. Hey, some bubbles. Awesome. Uh, episode 53. Episode 54, it's going to be right around when free agency starts. So we're going to be breaking down real NFL. I know we said we're going to do draft. There's six or seven weeks after we that. Got a lot of time. A lot of time to right. do draft, so well, we're gonna dive in. The quarterbacks. We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you back. Yeah, I might. On. I might. You're gonna come and do some quarterbacks. I know but, now that but, you love the my podcast. My quarterback thing doesn't come for free. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll get there. Episode 53 is in the book, of course. Hit us up on Twitter at Sims and Lufko. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a comment. We like positive reinforcement. Unlike Phil, we'll take it all day. Give us the compliments, Sims and Lufko, in the books. Thanks for watching.